It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chattanooga Lookouts never felt the pressure of the chopping block. Larry Ward talks about that time and also about how Joe DiMaggio convinced Larry's dad that there was something to this baseball thing. That's all coming up on our conclusion of a conversation with Larry Ward on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms where you get your podcasts, including YouTube. If, even if you're an audio-only listener, head over to YouTube and click that subscribe button because once this lockout is over, we're going to have exclusive content on YouTube you're not going to want to miss. So go ahead and click that subscribe button so that everything pops up nice and easy in your feed. I'm Stephen Offenbaker alongside Jeff Carr, and we've turned a passion that we have for baseball, a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, uh, we've turned that passion into information for you. On today's podcast, we sit down with the voice of the Chattanooga Lookouts, Larry Ward, and he's going to talk about uh, what some say was a time that the Chattanooga Lookouts survived the chopping block, but, but Larry says they were never really worried about it. Plus, we're going to learn how Larry's dad finally came to understand why baseball was so important to him. Thanks a lot, Joe DiMaggio. Kind of want to move to a little bit of a different conversation, though. Uh, The whole minor leagues went through an upheaval recently, and the lookouts were kind of on a list of prospective teams to lose their affiliation, to become independent and not be a part of Major League Baseball. And well, let's let's call that what it really was. Chattanooga was on the chopping block <laughs> yeah. on 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 the good old Commissioner Manfred's chopping block. And and with that having, you know, been all right, it worked out. The lookouts are still affiliated with the Reds as well. They should be. What was that scenario? Oh, what was that time period like as you guys were going through that? Was it as much of a almost re-audition as we on the outside looking in kind of perceived it to be? I think it was more scare tactic than it was anything okay. else. The, the, the organization, the lookouts organization, uh, there was no fear of being sliced. First of all, our relationship with the Reds is solid. Uh, the Reds were glad to get back into Chattanooga. Uh, and I can go over that scenario way back when, but, but when you talk with the staff and everybody, there was a little concern but I don't think there was any fear of anybody going, well, I guess I'll pack up my stuff and go home. No, right. uh, there wasn't any of that. Nobody jumped ship. Everybody kept going. Everybody had their their, their jobs to do. Sales kept happening uh, to not as great of an extent until the final word came down. And yes, Chattanooga will have a baseball team. But I think the Reds had a lot to do with that. The Reds have been very patient. Uh, the, the baseball team is is obviously trying to get a new ballpark and has been trying and is continuing to try. Uh, I know ownership and, and management, uh, they're, they're all on the same wavelength uh, going down the road straight ahead to get this accomplished. Now, there's politics, there's money, there's location. There, it, it just goes on and on and on. It's kind of like life. It, it just keeps going. And, and you try to pick up on it and make it work. 
And I think the guys will make it work. But getting back to the, the concern, there was a whole lot less concern in the lookouts office, I think, than there was from the outside looking in. The inside looking out, hey, we're going to be here. We're preparing to be here right now. We're going to be here. And it came to fruition to that. And, and again, I think the Reds uh, are champs about it. They, they had a lot to do with making sure that their double-A club was still in Chattanooga. You know, you talk about uh, some of the, the po- political side and, and the need for upgraded facilities and up- upgraded amenities. Uh, and a lot of that impacts the fans. Talk for just a minute about the fan base in Chattanooga, because uh, during that time period, when there was some outside angst about the team possibly going away, uh, you saw communities rally around their team. And it seemed to me, uh, from what I saw coming out of Chattanooga, there's definitely a love uh, for that team uh, from from the area. So just talk a little bit about your fan base for a moment. You don't throw the first pitch in 1885 and go away uh, anytime soon uh, with the tradition, the history uh, of lookouts baseball and professional baseball in Chattanooga. So we knew that the community was going to rally. It wasn't going to say go away. No, it it was going to rally and rally. It did all season long. Uh, Even though we were down, we were what 25% when we first started with fans. Um, And I'm going 25% only here that ups my percentage of listening audience very greatly. So I kind of like that uh, in a manner of speaking. Uh, last year, we did all of our away games virtual. Uh, I didn't, at first I thought, well, that's good. Virtual, you know, but uh, we put together sound effects. And it took about the first series for us to smooth and iron everything out uh, with my producer and engineer at the radio station. And once we got it going, Nobody knew we weren't on the road. We would say uh, the, the the following broadcast is being done virtually from such and such and such from the studios and boom. Every people thought we were on the road. Nobody knew the difference. We've approached the game the same way with the sound effects. Now, we, we're going to do a little bit better with the sound effects this year too, but we're going to travel some a few games. I was, uh, I was just going to say, or have they already made the decision to keep you uh, at your home base for most of the most of the broadcast. Subdued. <laughs> Subdued. <laughs> no. Locked locked up. They've got you locked up. <laughs> if you you ask my wife, she'd go, There's no way you're gonna keep him subdued over baseball. <laughs> no way. Coming up, we'll have some more great discussion from uh Voice of Chattanooga Lookout's Larry Ward's perspective. Uh, But before we get to that, I want to talk to you for just a minute about Built Bar. We've spent a lot of time talking about Built Bar here on the podcast, and it's not just because uh, we've got to put an ad in. We really believe in this product. Jeff and I both use this to help us meet our New Year's resolutions, which is to get into a little bit better shape. I have a stash of Built Bar in my locker at work. Uh, They help me get through those uh, urges to cheat on my new diet. And they're just really great protein-packed, healthy snacks to help you be successful in the goals that you've set for yourself. Uh, A Built Bar is only about 130 calories. They only have four grams of sugar, four net carbs if you're a, a keto person trying to watch how many carbs you take in, but 17 to 18 grams of protein in each and every one. 
Uh, and to help you get started in your uh, new healthy journey, uh, Built Bar is going to give you a 15% discount over at Built.com simply by using the Locked15 promo code. That's right. You just type in Locked15 at your checkout and they're going to take 15% off your purchase. There's so many great flavors over there. My personal favorite is the Cherries Barcia. They come out with new stuff all the time. During the holidays, they had an eggnog flavor that I've still got a few left of that I'm trying to stretch out for as long as possible. They have that and so much more, uh, not only in the flavors of the Built Bars, but so many different products. I know Jeff's addicted to their puffs. Uh, he literally will drool on camera when he starts talking about those puffs. So head over to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to save yourself 15% as you start your new healthy journey to a, a better lifestyle and a better you. All right, let's get back into our conversation with Larry Ward. We have, we have, yeah, we've already agreed that there will be virtual, but we are going to do some short trips. You know, fellas, I, you know, I, I went back and just started thinking. I, I came to this league in 1981 in Jacksonville. My first road trip, uh, I almost missed the bus because it left at midnight. Uh, had to go to Memphis. No off day, no 500-mile rule, no ifs, ands, or buts. You got on the bus in Jacksonville, Florida. At daybreak, you were in Dothan, Alabama for breakfast or for a bus stop. And by that mid-afternoon, you were in Memphis, Tennessee. And by 5.30, you were on the way to the ballpark to play baseball. That's the league when I first came here in 1981. And it, they made it sound like, quite frankly, I think a lot of a lot of people didn't understand how much the change had happened. But but I think even Major League Baseball made it sound like we still did that, those kind of trips and with no off day, that we still stayed in little bungalow hotels for $28, that we did not have good food and only had hot dogs in the clubhouse. I, I can go on and on and on. And, and that wasn't, that wasn't true. None of that was true. The Southern league many years ago, put an edict out and said, no more outside room doors on at the hotel you're in. They all have to be inside in a hotel, no more motels. And we did that a long time ago. The clubhouse people in this league are, are major league type people. They put on great spreads. They have pastas and steaks and chicken and on and on and on and on and on, barbecue, whatever, for the players. It's not garbage food. Players are all fed very, very well around the league. Buses. Now they ride in two buses. Part of that's a COVID protocol, but but the, the major league baseball is going. Well, you got to ride on those crappy old buses and blah blah blah. No, they were all brand new, pretty much brand new buses, air conditioned, comfy seats. You could stretch out, not as comfortable as you could if you stretch out at home on your couch. But the whole point being, I think there was a lot of stuff painted that wasn't true about minor league baseball, not just the lookouts, but minor league baseball in general, the, the, the AAA guys all fly. Now that's the challenge now, excuse me, as you all well know, uh, that, I mean, 
there's no guarantee your flight's going to get there on time anymore. So uh, unless you charter a plane, you could be SOL. So, uh, but, but with the bus league that we have now and the format, the way it is, it's fantastic. Why didn't we think of that 20 years ago? Uh, because it would have been, I mean, it would have been easier, but when I first came to this league, we played 144 games, two scheduled doubleheaders, one in the first half, one in the second half. And you try, there was no, you had a day off. It was rare that you had days off and you had to be tougher than nails to survive it. Not only as a broadcaster, but as the bus driver, as an owner, and certainly as a player, but they survived it. Some of those guys are in the hall of fame <laughs> and they tell the stories of when they got into Memphis at three 30 in the afternoon and had to play at five 30 that night or seven o'clock that night. They did not have a problem with it. And uh, so, you know what, you just, you just got to have to understand that when the, when, when the team had the rally of the fans and had all of that going, they, they just did not go away. They believed in it. They wanted it and they stayed true. And that is where uh, the baseball fans in Chattanooga in Birmingham in Pensacola, Biloxi, Mississippi, they're all united in one thing. They love their local teams and they're going to support them and they're going to bring them back again for another year. Only we're going to be a little bit stronger and better off. And, and I think, I, I don't think that we were really on the chopping block. It, they made it sound like it, but I don't know that we were, there was a lot of fear uh, with our organization. It's good to know, and it's 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 good to know that everything worked out just succinctly in that matter. And kind of thinking about all the different uh, stories that you have with the lookouts and all the different games that you've gotten to call, the many seasons that you've seen. What does baseball mean to you? (laughs) I knew you were going to do this to me. (laughs) (laughs) You know what means. It means a job, obviously. Mm. It means I didn't know when I first started it in Tucson in 1979 or part-time in Portland in 1978. I didn't know it was going to lead to a career. Mm. Um, you you kind of hope that maybe you get to the next step and maybe the next step. But uh, and, and I've had an opportunity to do major league games, exhibition uh, games, et cetera. But the game doesn't change from here down to here. The game is the game. It's 90 feet to first base, second, third, home. It's throwing strikes, getting base hits. It's watching when you're broadcasting, watching and the fans cheer for not just the team, but the maybe a guy who grew up in the area is now playing professional baseball. It means America. We know how the game works here. Very few Europeans or now the Asian, the, the, in the Asian countries, they know because they have great leagues over there. Hmm. But the Europeans don't understand, or I don't think the rest of the world outside of America really understands the love affair 
that a baseball fan has with the game of baseball. And it's not just see the ball, throw the ball, hit the ball, catch the ball. It's the strategy or it's the fun. It's a springtime, summertime evening out with your with your kids. I, I have I have friends either in the the media business or or uh, uh, in in other businesses who will who will sometimes bring their youngsters to the ballpark. And and we started a thing several years ago. We didn't do it this last couple of years because of this the COVID. I always tell them, hey, well, you, you're going to bring the youngsters to the ballpark. Uh, come on up and let's, you know, we'll sign a couple of cards and we'll treat them to see how the other half lives. And they do. And the youngsters are just like, their eyes get this big around. Um, I put a couple of them over the years in the chair next to me. Now, I haven't put them on the air. An older adult, maybe, but I haven't put them on the air. But, but it means that you get a chance to escape for two and a half, three hours, excuse me. And uh, you get a chance to share laughter. You get a chance to realize that what you had going at work earlier today isn't near as important as it is to be at the ballpark and to let yourself relax and enjoy life. Because if you can't do that, What's the point? Why are we here? We're here to, to enjoy life a little bit. And baseball lets you do that. And, and, and I keep seeing, well, we got to shorten the game. We got to shorten the game. We got to shorten the game. Throw strikes, get outs. Okay? That's how you shorten the game. Throw strikes, get outs. I say it every year. I say it over and over. You can't keep walking a guy and expect the game to get any shorter. Right. You may, you may throw that guy 12 pitches before he walks or gets a base hit. Throw strikes, get outs. Quit messing around on the mound. Quit messing around at the plate. For a while there, you when you stepped in, you stayed in. You had to have a foot inside that batter's box. The umpires are letting him get away with murder again. I think you go to the umpire, the chief, uh, the, 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 yeah, the head guy there, and say, look, dude. You're messing up. You're lengthening the game by 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. That said, why do I want a clock to tell me how much fun I'm having? That's a great point. Yeah, I agree. I don't need a clock. I agree. I need to watch the game. I want to watch the game. I want to absorb. And if you're in a hurry to get the game over, you shouldn't have come to begin with. In just a moment, Larry's going to tell us how Joe DiMaggio helped his dad understand why Larry loved baseball so much. That's coming up in just a minute. I want to tell you about betonline.ag. You know about sports. I know about sports. It's time to make some cash off that knowledge of sports. And you can do that at betonline.ag. It's the only online sports book that I trust, and you should too. You can start your profile today and start your bankroll off on the positive side of things with the promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus just for typing that in. And look at that. Your bankrolls on the up and up before you even place a bet. And then you can jump in on all the great action for the championship weekend, AFC and NFC championships. And oh, look at that. The Bengals are still in it. 
Oh, yeah. If you like that Bengals line, currently a plus seven. I'm not sure where it's at right now, but I'm interested in that. Jump all over that at betonline.ag. You can also check out lines on the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, UFC, boxing, and more. Plus, your Vegas casino games are all there at betonline.ag. Again, go there today. Set up your profile with the promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag is where the game starts. All right, back to our conversation with Larry Ward. Well, you know, Larry, it may, uh, I guess this is a two-parter to lead into to where I want you to go with this, but just a, a personal note, once upon a time, I was a history major in college, so I'm a, I'm a sucker for history, and I'm a, a sucker for people that have uh, been at something for a long, long time, and, and your, your longevity and your experience uh, in your job is an amazing resource, and it's a, you know, I think... Uh, uh, a gift in some ways to the people that get to grow up listening to the same voice. Uh, you know, I often tell people that uh, Marty Brenneman is the narrator of my summers and my childhood. And I, and I, and I actually got the opportunity to talk to Marty about this one time uh, that when I think about being a kid playing wiffle ball in my grandfather's yard, yeah. I hear Marty in my head calling those games, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's a tremendous thing for a person to be the voice of something for that long. So, uh, I say that just to, to, to say, you know, thank you for doing it and for, for being around so long, but you mentioned something, you know, here we'll go on to part two of that. Uh, you mentioned something earlier that, that caught my ear and I wanted to circle back to it because you name dropped DiMaggio and, uh, <laughs> and anytime we get yeah. back into that era of, of the world and of life and of baseball and of Americana, I always, uh, I always take that opportunity to get the person to tell me their story and get that thing recorded and preserved. <laughs> and, you know, you never know when you're going to want to listen to it again. So with that, I would like for you to circle back to that story and, uh, and, and have a little story time with us. All right. Uh, it was 1980, my second full year in uh, AAA in Tucson. We were playing the Portland Beavers. And it happened to be a night when they had an old-timers all-star game of former Portland Beavers and uh, former major leaguers playing each other. That said, they also had former major leaguer and a former Beaver manager and a, former, and a Hall of Famer managing the uh, major league all-stars, and that manager was Joe DiMaggio. He was sitting off the first baseline in a chair and people were coming by and talking and I passed by two or three times. And, and, and my father was a Joe DiMaggio fan. He passed away at the age of 84, but he never understood for the longest time. He didn't, he didn't get why I left home, Oregon to go to Arizona and be in baseball full time. He didn't understand it. So I walked by Joe DiMaggio. We'll get back to that in a second. I walked by Joe DiMaggio about six times. And I'm going, what are you afraid of? The only thing he can tell you that's bad is no. So I walked up to him. I explained who I was. I said, Mr. DiMaggio, uh, I would love to have you on the air with me for a couple of innings. If you would, if you don't, if you have time and can do it, uh, I want to introduce you to my dad, who was a huge fan of yours growing up. 
And he goes, sure, Larry, I'll do that. What inning would you like me to come by? I almost lost my teeth, to be honest with you. <laughs> so uh, we flash forward. We're in the game. I, I, if, you, if you've ever worked at, at, at I still call it Multnomah Stadium. It's now Civic whatever, blah, 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 blah. But if you ever worked at Multnomah Stadium, you knew that the press box was on the behind home plate. It was on the ground. Now, you could barely see the center fielder's head because of the situation you were in. But it was underground, and you went you went back through underneath the stands and came through a door into the home and visiting uh, broadcast booth. Uh, my mother was there at the time, and, and family members w- were there. And, and my mother was there at the time, and Joe DiMaggio walks in. And I hear my I hear my mother as he walks by. Uh, my mother say, "Hey, isn't that Mister Coffee?" That's how who she knew how it was, what who it was. Anyway, my dad's looking out to the left. We're in behind. He's looking out to the left. I have him in a chair in the press box. Chair for Mister DiMaggio, and a chair for me. And I, we shook hands again, and I said, Mr. DiMaggio, I want you to meet one of your greatest fans when he was growing up, my father, Royal Ward. Oh, my God. My first, dad's first name was Royal. He, you would have thought he met royalty, <laughs> uh, the king. And, oh, my goodness sakes, he... So we go through uh, part of an inning or half inning and I have to do a commercial break and Joe DiMaggio takes his, his uh, headset microphone off. Does he look at me? Oh no. He turns to my father and for the next two innings, every half inning, he's sharing stories with my dad and learning about him and background, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we finished the interview and later on I had Whitey Ford and I had Maury Wills and I, goodness knows who all over the course of the time. We finished the game and I'm packing, or we're not packing up. I, we finished the game. We were going to go out to eat. And my dad says, now I get it. I get why you want to do this. I get your inspiration. I said, Dad, thank you. So that's all I needed to do was blubber. Anyway. Oh, well, you alluded, to, you alluded to that's the direction it might go. And, and I appreciate you telling it. I think uh, I like those kind of stories because they serve as an important reminder. And especially when we're going through times right now, like we're seeing with the business side of baseball, kind of mucking things up uh, whenever it can. Uh, I like those kind of stories as a reminder that the game itself has served as a great connector of generations uh, throughout the history of its existence. And I think when people ask me, you know, why are you such a huge baseball fan? Why do you love this Cincinnati Reds team so much when all they do is break your heart? Well, it's, it's those stories and those experiences and those connections that the game gives us with not only our families and 
and you know close the, the the close people around us but it lets you go into some random restaurant and sit down when the game's on and have an instant conversation with a person it lets you go to the ballpark and you never know who's going to be in the chair next to you and for three hours it lets you, you know, meet a new person and experience uh the world through a, a different perspective and that's why i love the game so thank you for sharing those stories and 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 thank you for not being afraid to tell them and cry a little bit and and show the emotion that I think is there and drives the sport for all of us. That will wrap up this edition of Locked On Reds. Coming up on our next podcast, we will begin a series of window shopping segments that look at other teams and how certain players from those teams can help the Reds this coming year and in the future. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets. Your boy Q and Lee Sterling help you make some cash at betonline.ag every single day. Locked On Bets, just like Locked On Reds, is free and available on all platforms. It might be the off-season, Steve, and we might be locked out, but what are we? Jeff, we are locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.